Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. Greetings, my friends. Uh, Well, let's get right down to business because I have a lot to cover today. Those of you who've been thinking of supporting the radio ministry of the Bible Speaks, may I suggest this is a good time. We do need your help. i leave it in your hands as God directs you. I have no particular gift to offer. We're simply saying for those who want to help keep this on the air, now is the time. God bless you in Jesus' name. Last week, we and for several weeks, we've been pursuing a trail of the grand old gospel of salvation. Today we return to that trail, and because I want to have all of our listeners on the same page, I'll repeat the high points of our journey over the past several weeks, as I've done every week. We summarized our journey of redemption into eight stops, or eight points along the way. The plan by Almighty God, the promise by Almighty God, the predictions of the prophets, the preparation for the manifestation, the presentation, in other words, the Christmas story, Jesus is born, the proof, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, the proclamation and the propagation are the aspects in which we're spending time today. We concluded last week's presentation with a warning that the world around us, the world around you and me, including the conveniently embraced religious or Christianized world in which we live, that world is crying out for a modified gospel, something new, something more grandiose, something more reflective of our quote-unquote improved state. I hear we must make the gospel more user-friendly, talk about the social good work that Jesus did, and train our congregations and our communities to unite behind us in this good social activity and thus bring in the kingdom. Now, on the surface, that sounds like a good thing to do. I've often reminded that I am in the fourth quarter of my earthly journey. Although life isn't a game, I feel as though I'm in the fourth quarter of the football game or the basketball game. But you understand that what I mean is my time is running out. I don't have time to beat around the proverbial bush. I must speak up because I will be forced soon to shut up. And so my mission is to remind some and to announce to others that I believe in Jesus. I believe in what he commanded. I believe in what he promised. It is all wrapped up in the eight Ps which I have just reviewed before you. We're charged with the responsibility of proclaiming and propagating the gospel that our Lord Jesus Christ died 
and rose to accomplish. You and I are in the propagation period, the propagation aspect of this great plan. And we find our direction for our movement forward in the book of Acts. Let me stop and just return to the good works that Jesus did and the social action that it prompted. I believe in it. I believe when you come to Christ in true commitment, we're driven to do good works. Our hearts and our minds are full of the compassion that Jesus showed, but not the one without the other. You and I are charged to proclaim the good news, just the way Jesus ordered it, and just the way the early apostles and first century Christians obeyed it. The marching orders we have have not changed. The game plan doesn't have any change to accommodate the tactics of the opposition. It is Jesus who has said that. It is apostolically proven by the early church. That's what they proclaimed. That's what they practiced. I have looked in the New Testament and checked to find where is either instruction or permission to adapt to a changing social order or social awareness, awareness of political convenience. Friend, it's not in the book. From Matthew to the book of Revelation, as a young preacher, I said some things that older, more experienced preachers, mentors, if you would, helped me to avoid saying, and I was grateful for their guidance. One of the phrases they counseled me against was, don't say I don't care from the platform. They suggested I should always find a way to replace those words with kinder words, showing compassion. I thought they were correct then, and I still think they're correct for most of it. And I've tried to abide by that early instruction. But just for now, just for today, allow me, please, to go back to just one of the phrases, I don't care. Hear me well. I don't care. I don't care what the denominational leaders say or what they think or what they have to say about the price of engagement as a propagator of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't care about what the social reformers have to say. I don't care about what the politically correct phraseology is. I do care. I do care what the Bible says. I do care about the record of the unfinished work of our Lord Jesus Christ as it's laid out for us in the book of Acts. I realize that Bible scholars are divided over whether the second manuscript of Dr. Luke should really be called the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Well, because I'm neither theologian nor scholar, I'm free to say I think that both are correct. In the beginning of this, his second book about the work of Jesus, Dr. Luke implies that this second book, which is the book of Acts, is a continuation of all that Jesus began to do and teach. The first part of the continuation story involved people like Peter and John, and according to the verses we read earlier, ordinary people who were forcefully scattered, joined in the parade of propagators of this good news. Later, people like Paul and Silas joined in the leadership role, and 
encouraged all believers to carry on, to move it forward. Last week, I suggested that you have a chapter. I have a chapter. We have a chapter to add to the book of Acts of all that Jesus began to do and teach. The key thought in Acts is that witness to Christ. And the key verse is undoubtedly chapter 1. That's what J. Sidlow Baxter, in his excellent series, Exploring the Book, has to say. And verse 8 is, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the ends of the world. I agree with Dr. Baxter. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we're commissioned by Jesus, instructed by the experience of the earliest believers to carry on where Acts leaves off. Hence, the book of Acts is a launching pad for us. And so for the next several weeks, I'm saying several because I don't have any pre-planned arrangement for how much I cover each week. But we will take as long as the Lord enables us and directs us to go through the book of Acts and see what our examples were. So then to begin our walk through the propagation territory, we repeat our marching orders from the risen Christ. But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit is upon you and so on. In Acts 1, 12 to 14, we're introduced to the starting point of this journey of the earliest propagators of the good news, right in the very womb of the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. Hear it what it says. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, which was a Sabbath day's walk. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer. Let me repeat that. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and they list their names. And then again it says, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and so on. I am impressed, and I hope that you are too, with the fact that the birthplace of the New Testament church was a place of prayer and was responsible for launching a movement that Jesus said the gates of hell cannot prevail against. All the revolution that follows in the book of Acts is tracked back to that one prayer meeting. The disciples in the upper room at a place of prayer. Twice in the passage we have read, it says they were constantly, they were constantly in prayer. Prayer is mentioned over 700 times in the Bible. We can just linger here for just a moment or two and ask God to fill us with the spirit of prayer. The hymn writer Clyde McLennan wrote these words, Prayer is a soul's sincere desire, uttered or unexpressed, the motion of a hidden fire that trembles in the breast. Prayer is a Christian's vital breath, the Christian's native air. His watchword at the gates of death he enters heaven with prayer. Oh, it has nothing to do with the tone of the voice in which you pray. It is a hungry heart 
crying out to Almighty God. It is a grateful heart praising God. Listen, let it be written in your heart, in my heart forever. Prayer is the most important engagement in the believer's whole experience. The propagation aspect of the gospel, your aspect, my aspect, is birthed in prayer and is buoyed along in prayer. It's revived in prayer. It's rejuvenated in prayer. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saints upon his knees. The late great Church of God pastor and teacher Gilbert Stafford defined the New Testament prayers as in eight categories. Overflowing fountain, disciplined communion, flow of divine energy, the struggle of the soul, the mind seeking God's mind, intercession, petition to God, watchful communion with God. All of that divine defines prayer. And my prayer for you is a burning desire to be filled with a spirit of prayerful dependence upon God. Let's pray. O God, our Heavenly Father, hear our prayer to be like Jesus and to be like the earliest disciples, to be people who take time to pray. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please take time to write to us. Let us know you heard the broadcast today and on the station or the mechanism by which you heard us. We would love to hear from you. God bless you. Keep you vigilant till Jesus comes. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida 34478. Coming home, coming.